episode 83 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Swapna Krishna. And I'm Preeti Chibber, and we are recording on Tuesday, March 28th. How is it? How is it almost April? How, 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 how? I how? know. It's true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> it's this world, this just speeding along through time. Yes. Whether we like it or not. <laughs> For the record, we do not. <laughs> like, let's slow it down a little bit. I know. I was just talking to you before we started recording about how, like, I'm touring, like, kindergarten for my kid and it's just like how is he this old <laughs> wasn't he just born like it's everything's happening too fast agreed somehow though not fast enough so our first piece of news is that this morning nintendo dropped a 10 minute gameplay preview for tears of the kingdom and i don't i feel like despite time moving so quickly may still feels so far away it does it does yeah uh, and so this preview, which was so fun, it's 10 minutes. There's not a lot of story in it. There are clues, obviously, because you're in the world. So, like, mm-hmm. if you know, there are things you can pick up on. Like, I did not, though, because I'm trying not to think that deeply about it. But there was a lot of really fun ability stuff. So, the like, mm-hmm. no spoilers if you are trying to stay, like, super, super clear. But it looks so fun. And, it, like, it, it looks like what you love from Breath of the Wild, but, like, even more. It's really funny to me that people are still trying to duplicate Breath of the Wild and they haven't been able to do that, yet Nintendo's pushing, taking Breath of the Wild and pushing it forward again. Yeah, they just like, don't you know, okay. do it. And to be clear, I haven't watched the video yet. I'm going to, I just haven't yet. But uh, yeah, it just, like, it just, it just struck me this morning. I'm like, they are taking Breath of the Wild and pushing the boundaries on that even, and people haven't even gotten to Breath of the They're not even, you know what I mean? Yeah. Able to replicate that experience. It just shows. It's. I feel How like far they, Nintendo's forward Nintendo is. Yeah, and they're because they come at it from the perspective of not replication, right? They come yes. at it from the perspective of like a reinvention. A, reinvention or like a particular ethos that they bring to every game. So like yeah. Breath of the Wild was this massive undertaking of like open world and we want to try to see what happens when we let people play this non-linear game we let people expand the world of zelda and expand the world of like link adventuring and what that means and they've taken that i think based on this gameplay to another degree in terms of player opportunity with this beloved character so Mm -hmm. i'm extremely excited (laughs) um we are going to try to do breath of the wild slash tears of the kingdom episode yes probably just before the new end game comes April, out yeah April-ish. something end of april first week of may something it depends i'm traveling a bunch in april and so we're it's just kind of like figuring out the recording schedule for the mm-hmm. month between picard and zelda but yeah we were we we're planning on doing something yeah we'll have um probably hopefully my sister on who is like the yes. biggest zelda nerd of all time to sort of talk about what stories or what information you might want to know coming into this if it not that you'll have to know it because nintendo's very good about that but that it could maybe like flesh the world out or flesh mm-hmm. the understanding out a the little bit the same way i had you watch a couple of episodes to mm-hmm. to to get the the really understand grok that picard you know yeah the, the episode five because you would have still understood that there was this history i think they did a really good job of like kind of making the history clear in the episode but like it's always nice to have that to have that extra understanding yeah so so we'll we'll do that in a couple of weeks a month or so um 
And then this news is maybe just for just, yeah, it's okay. Just, it's okay, just for a few of us. But there is this series that Jacqueline Carey wrote uh, that I read in, in undergrad and just loved called Cushiel Start. And she's doing a new Cushiel Start book that comes out in August. That is the first book from the perspective of the male lead. Essentially, it's it's sort of like fantasy romance, but extremely intricate political and religious world building. It's it's a fascinating series. Uh, and it comes out August 1st. It's called Cassiel's Servant. And I am so excited. I like can't even tell you. I like saw it immediately emailed somebody at tour was like, how do I get like how do I get on this galley list? <laughs> Is this gonna be a thing you're gonna take off the day it comes out and I, yeah, I read don't it? I'm so I just love this world. They're like comfort reads to me. Like I can't tell you yeah. how many times I have read there's like the original trilogy and then there's a follow-up trilogy with like a kid character who's introduced in the first one who then grows up. Mm-hmm. And I've read them eight million times. Like I can't like I have them digitally, I have them in print. Like the, it's that kind of series for me. So <laughs> yay. Um, okay, last bit of news before we dive into our Star Trek. It's Star Wars news, which obviously we love. Uh, Sotma, do you want to take this one? Yes. Uh, Some of our new favorites are doing a Star Wars movie, The Daniels, who did uh, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I was like, how did I forget this movie? They did Everything (laughs) Everywhere All at Once, and now they're doing a Star Wars movie, and there's been, and I'll let you tell this part because uh, you're the one who saw it, but there's been a lot of like, oh, they're selling out. Why can't our indie favorites just do indie films? Mm-hmm. Why does it all have to be about franchises? It's it's quite refreshing to see the Daniels speak about uh, not just artistry, but artistry in this like capitalistic world we live in. And so their reaction to this, because there was a lot of like sort of like the Star Wars from after doing everything everywhere all at once, which I am super excited to see what they could do mm-hmm. in the Star Wars universe but they were like yeah man we need healthcare <laughs> I'm like I'm super Correct. excited a I am super excited to see well shocking nobody you and I are not cynical about this announcement no. like, we're very excited about it a I'm excited to see what they can do in the universe and b I'm excited for them to like make money yeah make like, that money late m- money and they've been really good about honoring the community you give mm-hmm. you if they make a lot of money on this they're gonna like, not that they have to do, like, not that this is, but they're gonna, like, invest in other film, yes. like, they'll Asian film, you know what I mean? Like, yes, they'll, they'll send the elevator back down, which is what we yeah. want to see and from, like, that's from what our people. Want. And so, yes, make a Star Wars. Get that healthcare. Make money. <laughs> like, buy the nice um, house. Like, come on. Do all the things. Yes. Like, the better you're, like, the more you don't have to think about those difficult things that exist because we live in the world we live in the more brain space you have to be creative yes i agree like that's just true um all right so so okay so we are going to go straight into spoilers so um episodes we're talking about episodes uh five and six of star trek picard imposters and the bounty and concurrently with episode five we're talking about the next generation episodes 503 and 724 503 is called ensign row five and 724 is called preemptive strike okay so did you know who roller was before i had no idea no i didn't know any of this like so when you you know we we could have talked about episode five on our last episode but we chose not to because i didn't have a chance to watch these two episodes and i am 
very, very glad that we yeah. postponed so I could watch the two episodes because it made episode five a thousand times more impactful. Right. I think. Like, I cried through a lot of episode five. Like, I just, I felt it very deeply. And, like, I know you enjoy that experience. Like, you enjoy, like, that emotionalist tugs. And I was like, yeah. you are not going to get any. Like, I think I think the writers did a good job of, like, kind of, you get the idea of what happened between them. If you haven't, even if you don't know who Henson Rowe is, you know they have a history. You know she betrayed him and betrayed Starfleet. And he, like, it, it impacted so much him so much that Captain Pic- they're like Admiral Picard of all people is like rehearsing the scene that they you know he's been rehearsing that conversation in his mind like Mm -hmm. that's how much this affected him but like you don't see like what each of them went like it's just it's just a lot more meaningful having that backstory yeah like seeing you know like we said getting right into spoilers uh seeing Rose death at the end of five meant something different because I had seen this character's history through those right. two episodes, not just with Picard, but just the amount of like belief and, and, you know, Roe sort of represents this battle. I think a lot of hyphenates feel of like being of this culture, having to step away from it, wanting to be multiple things at once and not being able to being forced to choose things. Like it's mm-hmm. a difficult space to be in and she's this like very very fleshed out character and so seeing that character's sort of like culmination in five was like heartbreaking and like how much like a thing that what really struck me about her is the way michelle forbes portrayed her in five she has a simmering anger like she she does she's angry she's pissed at picard but she's also resigned she's like I betray like she she knows she owns what she did like she's not like you know she knows she understands she disappointed him but she's also like it was like she's just resigned she she she's just like all right you're gonna be mad at me there's nothing I can do about that all I can do is move forward and she argues with him for sure but is also just like I did what I had to do and if you'd cared about me you would have understood yeah, they, I mean, so much, as we've talked about, so much of the season is about Picard's sort of like, uh, I mean, so much of the show is about Picard's fallibility. Um, but the season in particular is sort of his, the issues with his pride and his yes unwavering belief that he is right in the things that, mm-hmm. not just pride, but just like just his true belief that he is correct in the steps that he takes regardless of what other other people's perspectives are and ensign row and and row in five i think is a strong it's it's a way you know it's interesting actually so so much of season three of picard is obviously in conversation with next generation right in Mm -hmm. in terms of plotting and they have successfully i think retroactively created a plot thread sort of like we talk about how the end of rogue one recontextualizes the beginning of a new hope i think picard season three is doing that successfully with a character like roe and with a plot thread like what happened with roe and picard to inform this sort of like thematic idea of picard's 
pride and fallibility in season three. It's interesting. I think I think you are absolutely right on all counts. Like a lot of people have kind of come up and been like, it was a great story, but like I just didn't think Ro Laren was that impactful for Picard. Like I I just didn't think it was she was that impactful and and you know, it's just like maybe you didn't, but the right you know what I mean? Like and that's mm-hmm. fine. Like it's fine, but the writers saw an first of all, an amazing character in Michelle. Like Michelle Forbes is an amazing actress. Ro Laren is a in- really incredible character, like to the point where they offered Michelle Forbes the lead on uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And when she didn't take it, they wrote Kira Norris, who's my maybe my favorite character in all of Star Trek, basically wrote that character to be very similar to uh Ro. And mm-hmm. so she is she's a lot more impactful, I think, than a lot of people realize in terms of that, but also just like yeah like it's it is i think they did a really interesting thing where they they i think picard's just belief in starfleet and i don't think it's bad like i don't think it's bad that he believes in starfleet but i think her point is that like blind you can't also can't have blind faith towards right, this institution exactly right which seems to be the theme on on every front right which we can talk about a little bit more when we get to episode 6 but you know, for for a brief explainer, I think now that we're like fifteen minutes into this conversation, but a but a brief explainer of uh, five hundred three and and twenty four, I think we should maybe like set yes. grow up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so yeah. she's introduced as. Um, by the way, if you don't want to hear me muddle through this, I've been making some YouTube videos on Star Trek. Yeah, and I have one of who is Ro Laren, so <laughs> I will link that in the show notes if uh, you just want to watch like a video with some you know. It's got a little, I, I try to make them interesting. So, you know, but um, basically uh, in um, episode 503, these enterprise is sent to, um, to negotiate with some Bajoran terrorists uh, who are acting against the Cardassians. And that's, uh, that's messing with the, there's a fed- very tentative, very new, very just fragile peace treaty between the Federation and the Cardassians. And so the Enterprise gets sent to go to negotiate with these terrorists, but Ensign Roe Laren is assigned to this mission, and Picard's pissed because Roe Laren, it, an admiral, assigns it without assigns her without Picard's permission, and Roe Laren has a really checkered past. She was basically disobeyed orders on an away mission and got the rest of her away team killed. She'd been in prison and got pulled out of prison for this um, mission. So. The whole time, like, Rose, very prickly, not interested in getting along with anybody, very, you know, mm-hmm. you can tell there's a lot of, but you get a lot of, she's very, I don't know, she's very just, like, raw, I guess is the best word for it. Because she's also very honest, like, there's one point where um, she is negoti- she's negotiating and Picard compliments her on like helping them and he, she's like i don't think i did anything but you giving them blankets at this refugee camp helped like you yeah. know it's like she's very like i i, I feel like she's raw but she, and prickly but you like you instantly kind of take a liking to her because she tells it like it is so you find out at the end of the episode basically that the admiral had given Ro a separate secret mission and she was reporting directly to him to uh negotiate basically trade weapons for information mm-hmm um, and she she comes forward to Picard at the with the encouragement of Guinan, um, and comes clean, and they figure out the whole mystery that's going on. But Picard basically invites Roe to stay aboard the Enterprise, stay in Starfleet, stay aboard the Enterprise, um, 
and serve here. And she does. She agrees. Um, with one caveat at the beginning, at the beginning of the episode, when Riker first meets her, he tells her her Bajoran earring is against the uniform dress code and she has to take it off. Rose says she'll stay on the Enterprise with the exception, with the Mm -hmm. caveat that she gets to wear her Bajoran earring. And then in 724, she's not on the Enterprise at this point. I believe she's been promoted to lieutenant. She, um, comes back for a mission to infiltrate the Maquis. The Maquis are a, um, and all of this is so instrumental to the plot of Deep Space Nine. It's really like kind of funny because this is the exact conflict that Deep, the show Deep Space Nine explores. The Bajorans, the Cardassians, the Maquis. Um, the Maquis is an organization, basically, when the Federation and the Cardassians signed a peace treaty, they left colonists, both sides left colonists in in the demilitarized zone between the two, uh, the two two their two borders. And these people were allowed to stay, but they basically no longer be, you know, they, 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 they could no longer, they, they, they're just basically independent. Mm-hmm. They were allowed to stay, but the Cardassians started like arming the, the Cardass, the Cardassians started arming their people within the DMZ and though, and they started attacking the Federation colonies. Federation's basically like, we don't want to mess with this because this peace treaty is too important. And so they like, just basically didn't act. So the, humans in the dmz and the you know like they banded together and created their own fighting force the maquis and uh basically rolaren is sent on a mission to infiltrate the maquis but given her past like uh, like in ensign road there's a brutal scene where she talks about her father being tortured to death by a cardassian and her having to watch and her being ashamed for of her father for begging for his life like it's it's just it's brutal like the like brutal and so she ends up sympathizing with the maquis and then like this this maquis older maquis gentleman i think reminds her of her father that she makes friends with is killed in a cardassian attack and she ends up turning against the maquis and join or turning against starfleet and joining the maquis uh but that last scene with will Riker is really it's really it's good really right hard like it's yeah it's very because you can tell how sad she is you can tell she is she doesn't want to betray Starfleet. She doesn't want to disappoint Captain Picard. Like her last her what well, she asks Will, and Will is like very sympathetic. He's like, Take yeah. care of yourself, okay? And like she he has a phaser pointed at him and he's still like concerned about her. And I I liked that they carried that thread into episode five, by the way, where mm-hmm. Will's like standing up for her. Um, but Picard, but she's like, tell Captain Picard I'm sorry. Because he doesn't understand. Like he doesn't he, understand. I think that's the key here is what you see is like so often I think in uh, Next Generation, not that I know it backwards and forwards, no, no, no. But, but. You know the gist. Yeah, in, in Next Generation, Picard is the, he's the compass for, for his uh, staff. He's he's the center of all of this, yeah. which obviously Picard the show is, is pushing forward as a, a flawed idea. And we don't always get to see his disappointment in the people around him. And so it's, it felt like a very unique proposition and it felt like an intense one that would stay with him because very easy to see this as Picard writing this as one of his own failures. Yes, exactly. And making it about him. Right. Like Like I, like I, she failed me. I failed her. No, this is bigger than you. And I think that's so important. Yeah, especially because the show keeps coming back to 
everyone is just a pawn in the great Jean-Luc Picard story. Yes. I do want to talk a little bit of, about that too because it feels like I'm I'm a little conflicted on that particular theme because it feels like the show is trying to do both that mm-hmm. that is a problematic idea that Picard is the center of the universe but also every like Vatic's whole thing was like Jean-Luc Picard we have to see every single person he's ever touched so like he is at the center of the universe so it's like it's it's a little bit of both in a I way that I'm not sure how to read I think my interpretation of it, and I think you're right, I think it is, he, my interpretation of it is he, not that, like, this, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to qualify it, but I'm just going to say, like, he creates it for himself in some ways. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, it's like what Beverly said, like, when the universe comes calling, like, like, you know, she says, like, you're not going to say no. And that's the thing. Like, he's always... And so it's partially like not that not that like him getting assimilated by the Borg is his own fault. And that's not what I'm trying to say. But like he just he seeks it out. He seeks right. out the danger. And I think I think a lot of the season, and I'm like learning, and we'll go, we'll talk about Jordy's storyline because I think that's important to this. Yes. Discussion. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a yeah, balance yeah. between Picard's storyline and the parenting storyline. Like Picard being Picard and being the person he is and at the center of everything. And then all these other parents coming up, Will, Beverly, Jordy, and and being like, being a parent changes you. And kind of that, those are the two big themes to me. Like, those are like the two, those are, it's like, it's like basically Picard hasn't had this experience. And so he is more of a risk taker. He is, he is, harsher on people he like there it's just like that that is what i'm reading and tell me if i'm wrong because i'm also as a parent i'm really glad they're doing a parent such a strong parenting storyline here but also maybe i'm reading too much into it because i I am a parent i don't think you're reading too much into it but i think it's to me obviously like i am not a parent and and to me it's very much about legacy um Mm -hmm. and this it's it's interesting because in episode six, so like, I know we're we're not really talking like plot plot heavy stuff. We're we're, we're very like thematically focused right now. But Jordy has that moment with his daughter yes. with with Sydney. Sydney, yeah. And he's like, you have to think about you. You have to, you know, you have to think about your family. Da da. And she's like, I am like the crew. Blah blah. blah. And he's like, they're not your family. And she says, Yes, they are. You and me so that. there's this again, this like sort of like juxtaposition between these characters who are now like parents and we're seeing them as parents and what that means to them versus, you know, the way Jordy talked about and the way Picard talks about how the crew was the family and that and for mm-hmm. Picard, the crew was his family and continues mm-hmm. to be his family. So what does it mean when you sort of have two families? right yes. you have yeah like I think you're very right how does it Pit, Riker is the perfect example of someone who couldn't balance the two right and so we had him in Beverly couldn't two. either Beverly like, couldn't she either. just but but Riker we see it up front in terms of season two we see him with his family in his home this sort of like idyllic or season one, I don't remember. Season one, uh, yeah. Season one. Uh, the sort of, like, idyllic experience of, like, 
isolated outside of of the Federation. And then when he's back in the Federation, when we see him back like as a part of everything, he's now disconnected from that familial side yeah thematically so like there is this sort of like push and pull happening within the series and i don't know where it's gonna end up going yeah but i think it's very deliberate of like that immediate sort of traditional notion of family versus the more occupatorial the more like um uh symbolic notion of family that found family that next gen thrived on yeah no what do those two things mean Mm -hmm. and one reason i'm very excited that they're exploring this because i think both are valid i think yeah being a parent very valid found family and valuing them more than your blood relatives also very valid yeah like i think i think both are valid but i think Star Trek has always emphasized found family. Yes. Um, because it's been on starships and they into the point where like, not that they've necessarily discouraged like blood family, but like constantly again and again, you hear crew members talking about how like they can't have family. Like mm-hmm. Captain Janeway talks about like, yeah, like I, I, I always, env- I always thought about having kids, but like, I can't do it doing this job because you know you have to maintain a distance from your crew you can't have your family on a starship like so all of these people like and the people who do do it often do it very badly like miles o'brien is one of the best examples Worf, dear lord poor 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 alexander who isn't even mentioned in all these parenting conversations (laughs) Worf has a son like and then he shows up at the end of ds9 and is like you abandoned me and it's true (laughs) and then like miles o'brien who every time anything happens basically just ships his wife and daughter and son off to earth you know like because like you just can't like these shows are not it's not that they're not compatible i don't want to say that like cisco and jay his son jake uh benjamin cisco and his son jake are a great example of like a amazing portrayal of parenthood of father son but like these shows do just emphasize found family so i really like that they are trying to grow i don't i'll be i don't know how well they're doing it and i don't frankly know that's not a criticism though because i don't think you can do it well i don't think it can be done well because they are at odds and i appreciate them trying to grapple with both like because I think it is a really interesting conversation to have. What happens when you have your found family and then you become a parent and in some ways you have to choose between your found family and your kids. Or is it how do you, and like, I think, and then I think, how do you bring them back together or do you have to choose? I think that's what's what I think the end of episode six, where we see Jordy and Sydney coming together and sort of like, uh, bonding over this like she has this like sort of like one-off comment of like why do you think I broke so many motorcycles so I could spend yes. more time with you to fix them right and you have this sort of like coming together which like yes Jordy sacrificed career stuff to potentially be a part of this situation but he didn't sacrifice family stuff like there is a safety concern but he didn't sacrifice his connection with his daughters to yeah. continue to be a part of the federation side of things so uh, so we'll see like uh, like you said like i i do think there is a level of success to it in terms of they're trying to like marry these two yes what we could consider to be oppositional ideas but i think there is like they're building something yeah and i'm like and i don't want to like i don't want to make it sound like i 
when I say I don't know how well they're doing it, I think they're doing it badly. I just, right. they're, they are, they are, they're doing the thing. Like they're doing it and they're doing it. Like they're making me think about a lot of things that I haven't mm-hmm. thought about in, uh, out, you know, in context with this franchise. And I appreciate it just as a person who has a kid, like, I appreciate the discussion because it is like I like like a lot of people have asked me and we'll get there about like Jordy's anger and I'm like look it was a little the whole the process a little bit was a little bit rushed and we can talk about that but like I see his anger as valid because of we can get there but like I think it does come from being a parent like just the like like I I, I think I like I like what they're doing. I guess mm-hmm. is where I'll I'll leave it. Like I do like what they're doing with this. But back to back to Picard, like I think in him we're exploring kind of the like the conflict between these two things because he is a new parent. He's understanding what that means. It means now he's coming to like what does it mean to be a parent? What does it mean to want to protect your child? What does and he's like gone back and forth and very like weird and like he like at the beginning he's like I don't care about this kid. And then he's like, oh, we have to protect him. And then he goes back on that and is like, oh, let's hand him over. I owe the captain an apology. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, he is wildly swinging because he doesn't know how he to doesn't reconcile know. all this. And he doesn't understand. And like, that's why I think it's a good journey for him to go on. And I think it's interesting to see him having to grapple with this stuff because he's never had to. And I think in a lot of ways... I don't think he saw Roe like a daughter necessarily. I don't necessarily think that they were that close, but I think it's some of this, it's hitting some of the same, like the idea of legacy. I think Roe in some ways is part of his legacy and was part of the, what in his interpretation, the bad parts of his legacy. You know what I mean? Like it was one of his failures. And I feel like if anything from the episode, you see that he didn't fail at all. And if anything, he like, I think there is something to be said for he instilled in her such a respect for Starfleet that she betrayed them twice and came back and knew she would be fairly treated. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like she betrayed Starfleet and then, or she, she not betrayed, I guess the first time she didn't betray Starfleet, she just, really messed up she didn't follow orders and then but she came back she was she came like when she saw what was, what was happening to the maquis she came back to starfleet and she had trust that this institution would treat her well yeah and it's, it's somebody like jean Luc who gave her that trust mm-hmm. well yeah he he's always represented right the best of what starfleet could be and what the best of what the federation could be yeah to many people um a, another layer of which you could see his like another like lens you could see that failure through of like not only failure to her but failure to starfleet failure to this thing that he has always believed in which brings us to i think the other big stuff which is the changeling stuff obviously yes Um, i also have a changeling video that i basically made specifically for Preeti because she was on the last episode you might remember she'd be like i don't understand understand what this is it was very helpful we'll we'll put it in the show notes yes um so so you can watch it um but you know this notion that like Starfleet itself, the Federation itself, has been infiltrated at the highest levels by changelings who we now find out can, you know, they used to have a, an ability to see who a changeling was, but they've they've evolved into something yes. that is far more difficult. Like even doing, like they do an autopsy on the one 
that was on the ship and they're like we wouldn't know until we get back like literally down to the organs like we they can bleed they can do they can reflect us perfectly or or reflect whatever being they are perfectly and so there's this whole thread of like this thing that picard has given his life to has also is also starting to deconstruct and is also flawed and is also failing Um, but it's also like in that video i i mentioned like yeah it's this starfleet is this organization that Jean-Luc believes in and they created a genetic morphogenic yeah. virus yeah. and infected the changelings. Yes, it was a covert branch of Starfleet, but it's still Starfleet, you know? They it's, tried to commit <laughs> genocide. It's so funny because like in the show, they say it. They're like, we created this thing. And then I can't remember who says it, but they're like, but we created a cure. I think it's Riker. But we created a cure and we saw the cure. <laughs> Which is yeah, like it was just like, yeah, okay. we infected them, but oh we we sent Don't them worry, a cure, so it doesn't it. matter. <laughs> Like it, it I, does look a little bit like uh, this episode. The the season is like Picard, kill your dar, like kill your darlings. Like yeah, <laughs> the le- the rose colored lenses are off. <laughs> it is yeah, I agree. Like no, and I I appreciate that they're grappling with these things, and I appreciate they're giving us a villain that has a reason to hate Starfleet. Like you know what I mean? Like the motivations, like. We don't quite know what they are yet, but like Starfleet is not innocent in any of this. I'm not fully, I am a little confused. Okay. At the preoccupation with Picard because. Yes, I think that's fair. I don't, I don't get it. Like if. Like, this the, is, like Vatic's preoccupation yeah, with Picard, you mean? Yeah. I didn't, okay, yeah. I didn't understand fair. it at all. It was very like, especially like watching your video and having this better understanding of who this group is. Like why would why they be obsessed is, with one why, solid? Yeah, and why Picard of all people? When like I can understand when you think about like the Romulans or like the Borg. Like obviously there is a history there. Here, mm-hmm. I it was more confounding than anything. I was like, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I agree with it. you. The 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 whole like what's going on with Jack Crusher and. Why are the changelings interested in the Picard? Why are the changelings interested in him and Jean Luc Picard? I think are related and are not in any way clear yet. It just felt strange to me. Like yeah. I feel like I agree. Vatic, uh, the actress is wonderful, mm-hmm. but every time they're on screen, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't yeah. understand any of this. Yeah, and so no, it's I agree just, with you. There's all this like wonderful stuff happening and like really strong character stuff and even like strong mm-hmm. plotting stuff because the changing stuff is exciting um like a big like government sort of like uh intrigue and like yeah um you find out that like no one is who they say they are is is mm-hmm. great tv and great plotting but then you nail down to the specifics and i'm like i don't i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't I don't I don't get it. Like I I no I'm with you. Like I think you're right. I think that's a good question. I think everybody's asking that question and I think the writers are smart enough to know everybody's asking yeah. that question or are going to come up with an answer. You know what I mean? I think I just we're going like, to get it. Like you remember just, how we were talking about last episode that there there felt like there was a scene missing? That's yes. how it feels. It feels like okay, there's yeah. a, a scene bridge missing. That you don't need to give me the answer right away, but you need to give me at least a, a hint that there is the hint of a connection. I have the hint of a connection. Like I I will say I've seen episode 7 and 8. And there's, it's coming. Like I, there's, I'm not saying there's a full explanation coming or anything. I don't know. I don't know much more than you, than everybody else. Like 
but I do know that they know we're asking those questions. Because yeah. it's frustrating when you don't know. Is like, is this just a blind spot that they didn't realize people no. would be? But be, but like, no, they're there's they're moving towards we'll get more information. I'll just say that. Yeah, I think I think from like it's like one of those pacing things that we were talking yes. about, right? Oh my Where god. Like, okay. You yeah. could have given yeah. I feel like it needed just a, a like cuz we're on episode 6 of a 10 episode season, right? It's sort of just giving us like the hint of an understanding before like yeah. again answering all those questions. Um because I I had a moment. I watched episode five and I texted Swapna and I was like, is Jack a changeling? I think that's the question we're supposed to I think I think that's the question we're supposed to be asking at this point. Like, there's something weird. There's some weird shit going on with him. Like, what is it? I don't and like I like I don't know. And I think these are the questions we're supposed to be asking. But then in episode six, they give you the answer, but the answer because the answer makes no sense. Right. So like with what what we know he's seeing, the answer makes no sense. So this is a question I have for you because I don't remember the like I know that this is the thing Picard had and why he's in this like new body or whatever yeah. but I don't remember the specifics of this disease well and I it don't... just so happens I have a video planned called what is Eromonics right. but like for no this... I'm serious right. I have it yeah, I believe it but but yes okay so basically at the in all good things the f- series finale of Star Trek uh, The Next Generation right. Picard is diagnosed with Eromonics Syndrome it's a um it's a condition that is centered in the parietal lobe it causes it's a degenerative brain disease it causes basically degeneration of the brain pathways i think and the symptoms are confusion demen- like confusion uh hallucinations and eventually death it is a terminal diagnosis there is no treatment or cure but it can take right. a while to manifest right so basically that's what it is and then in season 1 of star trek picard we learn that uh, he they don't name an aromatic syndrome. It's just called a brain abnormality in his parietal lobe. Okay, that's why. Oh yeah, that's so they why. don't like like Picard season one was very very particular about not naming it. And I think they were trying to stay away from techno babble and getting too like technical, like getting mm-hmm. but like it was it's very weird because they make a very big point of not calling it aromatic syndrome, but that's what it is. Like it's a brain abnormality okay. in his okay. parietal lobe, but it's basically in full force and he could basically die at any moment. And there's a scene at the beginning of uh, the show where he's meeting with an old friend. That's a doctor, Dr. Benny Yoon, I think his name was. And uh, the doctor's basically like, yeah, you're dying. And uh, and the end of the episode, he drops dead from. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. End of the season. He drops dead. Yeah. 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 So that's what was a little confusing because they don't name it in that first season, but it's, it's the same thing, but the, the symptoms are not, anything they're we've not, seen they before weren't, they weren't like this like in they're, all good things uh the basically the symptoms he don't we don't even really see the symptoms in the right. first season of Picard and they all thought his remember the future scenes of all good things yeah yeah when yeah, they yeah, all yeah, yeah. like they're all you know remember there's that one pivotal scene where data's like eh, this could be true yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah. that's they think he's just seeing things and hallucinating things but it's not like this yes that's what i'm saying it's not it makes no sense because it's like a red door that's and a voice that's saying like find me yeah there's like there's a specificity to it and and they hint at it which i they do because beverly asks like how did you know they were changelings and he doesn't have an answer yeah right he doesn't 
he doesn't know how to answer. So I yes. still am like, is Jack a changeling? Even though it yeah, doesn't no. make any sense. I don't know. I, I'm asking the same questions. Like, I feel like that's the question we're supposed to be asking at this right. point. Like, what is going on with Jack Crusher? Because there's something going on that is more than what everyone thinks is going on. Mm-hmm. And um, no, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's I think that's what we're supposed to be asking. Yeah, it's very like, I did really enjoy his scenes and enjoy yes. sort of like amping up the tension with that stuff because it is like they they keep doing this thing where he like kills somebody or he hurts somebody mm-hmm. and then it's not real until it is with the changelings um, when he shoots all of them in and I really uh, appreciated, five. Yeah. And I really appreciated his conversation with Picard where he's just very like as Seven says in episode six, like the drive by like wisdom. Yeah, 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 like yeah. Maybe. Maybe you didn't just give me a brain or abnormality. It was a very touching scene. And like, I appreciated it because like Beverly was like, don't spend time burdening yourself when you could unburden him. And it's very true, but Picard doesn't know how. He doesn't know how to grapple with his own feelings. (laughs) So like, he's like, and he's trying, you can tell he tries, but he just doesn't know what to do. And then like Jack gives him that gift. And like, it's, I don't know, man. Like, it's a really nice relationship that they're building between these two. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say so in episode six, they, it's so funny. Like I texted you, I was like two things about these, about these episodes. I was like, number one, shipping Jack in Sydney. Yes. (laughs) It's that easy. Two people who are fairly charming have like one interaction and I'm like, all right. Fairly charming (laughs) and both very attractive. Like Very attractive. (laughs) But I love Jordy being like, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to my daughter. <laughs> yeah. It was cute. It was cute. And they're both good. And it's it's some nice, like, levity between uh, all this, like, intensity that is happening. Um, Do we want to talk about, I'm, like, trying to think, because we aren't, you know, like, it's hard because the, the show is so thematically driven. Yes. Right? Like, the plot stuff is, like, all, you know, it turned out Rolaren was the, like, handler for Worf. Yes, And Worf. Rafi. Uh, well, by layers. Um, yeah. So, Worf and, I guess we should talk about them a little yes. bit. Yes. Um, Worf and Rafi are trying to figure out who this guy is who's, like, relationship that, with... That's episode with the... Five, That's right? Five. They f- yeah, yeah, five yeah. where they go to and they find the like Vulcan played by the guy from Fringe. Yes. Okay. Um yeah. so they figure out it's there's this like it's but the like uh story wise, they're just looking for this associate who might have more information yeah. on. It's on like what Facebook. you and I compl- like what you and I complained about a little bit. Like this is the third time that Rafi's yeah. going and looking for somebody to find information. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like no, there's it's, it's, very they're pushing the plot forward while everybody else is just having deep conversations on the ship. But it's funny because this is yeah, but the it's one good. We, this one works. It works. Well, but. I was gonna say like what's fresh. It, it actually didn't totally work for me okay. because it felt like all of this could have happened in one and a half episodes. Mm-hmm. In like Rafi's entire story with Worf could have happened across an episode and a half if you're not waiting, if you're not using Worf's appearance as a cliff, if you're not like um, trying to, like it, it felt so, the pacing is just so strange. Yeah, no, you, I think, 
right? Like they they needed to inter like have like like stitch it all together, but it doesn't quite work because yeah. the Picard pacing stuff is like intense, right? It's like everything feels very um heightened mm-hmm. and the Rafi and Worf pacing stuff despite the danger feels monotonous. So here's the thing. This my my theory on this because I agree. I agree with you. Like I and I, I've already said this basically. So this isn't like revolutionary. But like I think that they're 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 doing the bulk of the storytelling, the emotional stuff, and the character yes. stuff on the ship, and then they're relying on Worfy and Ro- War- Worfy <laughs> Worfy. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, Worfy. Worf and Raffi are, they're using them to further the plot. Because you and I both talked about at the end of the last discussion, like, these episodes are good, but they've been in the nebula too long and nothing has happened. Yeah. It's just all, like, character stuff, which is good, but it's, like, we need some plot too. And so I think that they're they're trying to use Worf and Raffi to, like, further the plot, and now it all comes together, which is why episode six might be my favorite of the season. It did come together, but it also felt like drawn out for for only because they had to pair it with the stuff yes. that's happening on the yes. ship, right? Yes. That's I think that's what it is. Is that they do give us information, but that information is given at such a slow pace yeah. compared to what's happening the the consistent like sort of like revelatory experiences we're having on the ship character wise mm-hmm. so it was it's it's a little disjointed or, or jarring in that way because even with the like they're trying they're doing some character stuff with like Rafi and Worf obviously but it's limited yeah just by definition of it's the two of them so Rafi's need seven of nine for her plotting like we're waiting for that right like we know her issues and there's no real movement she can have character wise with Worf that wouldn't feel a little bit like I wouldn't feel cheated by because I want those moments to happen with seven of nine yeah and Worf's character stuff is difficult because it's like you know they had this whole they kept doing they kept going back to this like meditation thing where he like which I love like I love Worf I think Worf is an yeah, amazing Worf- character yeah and the the episodes you picked out for us to watch prior are like very strong Worf ep- like episodes um which gave me the the background that I needed for for his character stuff in this um but I'm like waiting I love like when they get to six and I can finally see him interacting with his old crew it's like that's what I wanted <laughs> That's, yeah, no, I agree with you. And also, but, like, one of the really big missed opportunities for war for me was when they were on Daystrom Station, which we will get to in a minute, and they're on Daystrom Station, and, War like, Riker's giving him shit. And then Worf just does it, and Riker's like, you used to fight back. Come on. Yeah. And I'm like... I'm, and I'm like, I really wish here they had said something, like, Worf had said something, or, like, there was just a really good opportunity there to be like, yeah, that, like, that's what happens when your wife dies. Like, yeah. he got married, and she died, and she was murdered, and, like, that affected Worf, and I can see a lot of the way Michael Dorn plays Worf now, like, as, like, His grief. Grief, and, like, yeah. grief has tempered him, grief has changed him, and I think there's a lot of that, and I wish... I just I just wished in that moment that they had acknowledged that mm-hmm. like a little bit because like I think that is the way Michael Dorn's playing it. I think that's the way the character's written. I think the right I don't it's not like I think the writers aren't incorporating it. They are, but I wish it had just been explicit. Like right. I 
I liked I, I that was a good relationship great relationship for Worf but yeah so episode six I loved um it was really of fun. course it's the whole it's the whole like finally the entire cast is in this episode the you gang's know, a little back disjointed because <laughs> Marina's you know they're not like Marina uh, uh Troy is on a different ship but the gang's finally back together mm-hmm um you were gonna like, talk about Jordy's anger okay yeah do you want to talk about that yeah let's let's start there because so basically episode six um they you know uh Worf and Rafi show up on the ship they show up you know to Picard and and everybody and um they're like we have to get to Daystrom station that's what we have to yeah. do so they get there immediately like they they beam Riker, Rafi and Worf down to the station and then are immediately found and have to rush away. And Picard's like, I know where to go. And it's to Jordy. Yeah, it's to the Fleet Museum, which was amazing. It was absolutely am- this show. I think one of the reasons this episode was one of my favorites is because. I think this is one of my favorites, like, of all-time Trek. Like, I love this episode because of all the little, little pieces. Like, okay. all the, the little things you see in Daystrom in the background. The piece, like, the Fleet Museum. Like, it just, it was, it really was just, like, emotional. But uh, basically, they show up, and Jordy's pissed that they came to him. Yes. He is Jordy's very mad. angry. And so he comes on board, and he does give them a chance to explain themselves. Like, like he's not, like... You all are, you know, he, like, he know he understands, and he's right. like, but even if, he's like, I understand you're fleeing, I understand what's going on, but by coming to me, you've put me and my family in danger. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, that and kicks so off that sort wrong. of, like, yeah, yeah, that kicks off that sort As we of, see like, at the thing. end of this episode, he's not wrong. And I think no. that's an interesting, interesting distinction between him and, like, as you said, Riker, somebody who's been trying to balance the two and has not been able to. It never occurs to Riker. It never occurs to him yeah. that they might, they might come after his family. Like, Jordy is absolutely right. Like, his family, mm-hmm. like, by involving him in this, they have put his family in danger. But like you know, the anger is still like it is like a surprising, it's very like, intense. It's, it's very of anger. intense anger, and then but it all kind of clicked for me when he gets a moment alone with Sydney and he almost starts crying. It's like, do yeah. you know what we went through when the ship? Like, do you know? Well, let's, and like it, it made sense to me. It did. It did make sense. But that's another like thing that I hadn't thought of in terms of like playing into this uh, family. You know. Uh, Immediate family versus like found family. Picard's appeal doesn't work, but Sydney's does, right? Yeah. Um, Sydney has the sort of like the right to say yeah. it, where Picard doesn't necessarily. I feel think that so, he and does. it's I think it's something to do with your found family all choosing to be there, yeah, and your blood family is not. And right. I think he is seeing it as his blood family is not choosing to be there, mm-hmm. and she's like, no, no, this is my found. This is family my choice. Now. Yeah. I am choosing to be here for this family. Yeah, and you're the one. And I is a really nice scene, like very well done between the two of them. And Alondra, his other daughter, was played by uh, uh, Lavar's real daughter, yes. Micah Burton. So uh, Mika, I think it is Burton, but like, yeah, it was a uh, very, uh, very good. I, I really liked all of this. And then like, uh, oh my God, uh, Todd Stashwick Shaw meeting Jordy. So good. He's such a dork. He's like, He's I love you. Dork. Like, oh my God, that's the same look uh, Preeti had on her face when we met Mark Hamill. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Couldn't hold it, it was- in. 
no yes. way to be cool. It's like, hi, I love you. Hi. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hi. Like it was. It I love was, you. I love you. I love you. It was so, so good. And like, I, I wish like, again, like, again, you and I, when our complaint is that we want more, that's not necessarily like a bad thing, but I felt like, I wish, I felt like Jordy's journey would have felt a little less like shocking if it had come over two episodes instead yeah. of like in the span of 15 minutes he goes from super angry to like okay I'm on board you know what yeah, I mean? yeah yeah it's it's very quick um that just felt like a time issue right it is, like yeah. that just so felt they have like 10 a- epi- they're all contra- only contracted for 10 right. episodes right they have to tell this whole story in 10 episodes and that's yeah. how it's going um, um so then we have like basically Riker, Worf, and Rafi are isolated on the Daystrom station, and there's this like strange stuff happening. And like, no, like, well, like, first let's talk about they uh they come across a Genesis device, okay, which is like Genesis is from like Star Trek 2, like the Wrath of Khan. It's like a very like Star Trek 2, the Wrath of Khan, Star Trek 3, the Search for Spock. Like, it's a very iconic. They come across James T. Kirk's body. <laughs> like okay <laughs> the last tribble because yes the, because the klingons all went to the tribble and wiped out the tribbles mm-hmm. they went to war against the like little tribbles like yeah uh i just 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 really nice like a thaleron radiation device from star trek nemesis was in there like there were some really really nice uh nice little callbacks in the um in no the, that's I awesome like, days from, <laughs> but yes weird stuff starts happening a crow shows up yeah, a crow shows and up. And Riker's like, like, that... Okay, but I had to say, I laughed out loud when Riker's like, that crow looks familiar. I was like, what fucking crow? Right. Like, yes, that know? specific bird? Like, yes, that crow looks familiar or, like, it was... I understand what they were trying to do, but it was just really funny because, like, yes, the cardinal that looks... that knocks on my window, oh, that, that bird looks familiar. Like, it's, it's so it funny just- the way they, like, chose to do this scene because they're, like, the music is playing and it's, like, dark and it's eerie and it's wonderful. And Riker keeps noticing the notes of the music. Yes, that which is, is that very is cool, actually. Where very Rafi's cool. like, what was that? And he's like, F sharp? Like, yeah, it's That it's was awesome. cool. Yeah. He, like, picks up on it. And then, of course, Moriarty shows up. Um, which, which was so cool. It was, But also, I felt really bad I made you watch two episodes for that appearance. <laughs> I was like, was I should have made her watch the Roller Laren episode. It's fine. It's fine. It was interesting because, though, you know, there is all this like t- like throwbacks to next gen. Like they these were very Easter eggy. Yes. Um, but we see actual footage from next gen in this episode yeah. of Riker remembering why these notes are so important, and it is for the reveal of like Pop goes the weasel, right? Yes. And it's a tune that he associates with data for this this previous episode that he's remembering but i thought it was so funny that like this is where they choose like chose to give us literal visible flashbacks versus references so i think it's i think it's a few i think there's a couple of reasons for that first is the so it is a it is significant this is the so i wish now i wish i'd made you watch the full encounter at farpoint episode this is encounter at farpoint it's the first time Riker meets data Okay. In this holodeck. This is their meeting scene. And I think they're showing you data. I think the reason for that is they want to show you data totally. before they introduce 
data. A hundred percent. Like what he looks like now. I would think they wanted to show what he looked like then. I think that's it. I, did you find it effective? Did you find, I found, because I was familiar with the original episode, I knew the scene very well. I knew the music. I knew Moriarty. Because I knew all these pieces, seeing that footage made me burst into tears. My question is, what is it effective for you? Or did it, it pull you out? It wasn't necessarily emotionally effective to the same level. It was effective yeah. In, in I think, literal storytelling in terms yeah. of, like, there was this slow building. There were these, like, moments that they're giving us that are clearly uh, impactful and important to Riker. And so getting to see him put all the pieces together and literally seeing the thing that he is remembering mattered and worked really, really well. But it also made me feel like I know it's not a, a card they can play too frequently because they can't. It would mm-hmm. minimize it, but between this and getting to see Picard remembering Rolaren, I didn't. I felt like both of them could have benefited from the same sort of conceit. I see you're saying you wish they had done this for the Rolaren episode too. Either two or in I don't know. Like I, I because Rolaren isn't a character that people know as well as they know Data, obviously. I think it could have helped should, had you not watched those mm-hmm. episodes. It could have given you like because it it you see a lot of like in those episodes the relationship between Rolaren and Picard is clearly important. There is a depth with the way they speak to one another. There is a connection between the two of them. Um, like the scene where they're in that bar and he's like pretending to pick her up so that they can get information back and forth in in 724 is like so heated like there's mm-hmm. so much like both like like they're clearly both talking around something it's such a like wonderful scene and yes. so being able to use some of that to contextualize the intensity of their connection in this one i think could have helped that said I don't think you could have done that same thing twice. I think it would have yes. been, it's an either or situation. You I either do it saying. with Riker or Data or you do it with Picard and Mo, like uh, Rolaren. I don't know which one would have been better because I did really yeah. love this moment. Like I really, yeah. really loved the build up. I will definitely take this one every time because it's just more significant. Data, I'm like, Data's more significant than Rolaren. So if but, you're only going to use it know once, it. it here. that's my point though is that we know data is significant so did we need it like could they have accomplished it with just the 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 memory like of the music with just the the auditory memory did we need the visual so i think we needed the visual because of the way like he looks like personally just for the emotional impact which is what they were going for i think the way he looks at him and says marvelous like i like because like Moriarty looks at him and says marvelous and then I knew exactly what was like I knew the pop goes a weasel thing but I could like picture the scene in my mind and then it but that's on the right that's my point is that you could like I, I could yes but I think so, it like, would have been know. effective if they hadn't shown the I like, think our, showing it is what like clinched it as like a I just as a I, very powerful I go back and forth scene. because I think I think arguably that this scene could have had the emotional impact without it because we know data versus the emotional impact of Rolaren's death, which sort of like lacked that uh, yeah. without having seen the episodes. 
I um, think I think the all other problem with Roller Instead is I'm not sure there's a scene. I think you have to watch both the episodes. I'm not sure there's a scene you can show that will would provide this if you're only talking about like five yeah but i yeah i don't mean that i don't think it would i I think just just the conceit of using the visual flashback from a next generation episode Mm -hmm. whether it meant bridging together a few different scenes whether it meant whatever i think it i i go back and forth on which one like i like i said this scene really worked for me and i thought it was really really strong it's only because I'm thinking about having watched those episodes, what they potentially could have used to give a co- like a, a context to Rolaren, yeah, as this very important character. Um, but I, I understand they also, why they they didn't. Yeah, I think they also like the, I under okay, I understand why they kept Rolaren coming back in that episode as like the, one of the twists, but I think it was. It was a hard thing for me because I want to help people understand. I want to help yeah. people prepare. I want people to feel the emotions I feel. And then to make, label that a spoiler to for just fundamental understanding of the episode itself to kind of, not saying that you can't understand what happened in the episode, but to like, to get the, the character moments, you had to have that background. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I you don't, did. I will say, I think I'm just going to say, I don't like making that kind of thing spoiler territory i wish they had right. just told us up front because if they told us up front moriarty Ro- and rolaren and lore are coming back i would have just been like forget moriarty let's watch these two episodes and then the lore episodes yeah because you need it like i feel like you're gonna have you have really good background when lore kind of showed up and was you know for like, a at second yeah, yeah, yeah you understood like he is unstable he is quote-unquote evil like you you yeah. got that immediately the Moriarty stuff, that was just like a fun appearance. And that's in some ways is Data's first creation because. Yes. So it's under, it's understandable, you know, with all the others that, you know, like that he would be there too. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, like, no, like it was just, if they had told us we're all learning, it's just, these, it's just two episodes. Like it's easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, but it's not easy to do week to week, but if you're like doing a watch to prepare for the season, it's not hard to work those two in, but like, I don't think I like, I liked being shocked in the moment and screaming in the moment but because the it wasn't just a cameo and the entire episode was about the two of them i wish we had just known beforehand yeah i it's it's interesting um so obviously data data is is the thing ai the the ai behind because there's this ai behind daystrom station that they're trying to figure out so basically they're trying to figure out what was stolen yes. what was the thing that was taken that is so that is even more dangerous than the portal thing that they took that that they used for the terrorist attack um and they you know there that wonderful moment happens where will is like oh i get it <laughs> And they go into this room and we see Data. We see Brett yes. Brett Spiner as now like Brent Spiner, not de-aged, none of that, though there is a very creepy data head, like young data that's head. Before. Yeah, that's before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I do also have it. All these who are all these Androids video preti. I'm very excited for all the, the Star Trek content. I know. Um, I know. But it is. It's like who are all these? Like because like there's this lore before Lao, a little bit of Alton Sung, um, all the and data, a whole lot of data, as Alton Sung's video says in this body. Yeah. So they show up. They see it. They're like, 
we've seen Data die a few times. So what's going on? And Worf is like, there's like a lot going on in there. It's not just Data. There's all this other stuff. And like you said, they stumble upon like Alton Stone's like vlog explaining (laughs) what's going on. Conveniently explaining. Conveniently explaining, giving us a little bit uh, of, of an explanation. Um, but basically, it's it's this very tense scene because like they've been discovered. Like, are is the are is Picard and the team going to get to them in time? And there's changelings, and there's a or not cha- not necessarily changelings, but there's like Starfleet people coming, and they're going to get caught. And what's going to happen? And they're like, we just have to get data. Like, data has the information inside of him, so we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. Um, but Data has so much inside of him. And so yes. Riker basically is like, all right, I'm going to hold them off. You guys do it. Mm-hmm. And so Riker gets taken, left behind. Uh, he is hit with like a transmitter blocking thing. Mm-hmm. And then Worf, uh, Rafi, and Data get back to the ship. Mm-hmm. And then there, yep. Jordy gets to do his thing with, with the Data. The face acting that LeVar did. <sighs> Like the face, just like the, the the face acting he did when he like saw Data, when he heard Data, f- like for the first, like I oh did, I did God. cry, like I I for sure cried, like when when Data was like, uh, like when he when, just like when he turns on and he's just, uh, like, I can't. Jordy? It's so like, good. Brent Spiner is so good. That's the thing. And I don't think I realized it. Like, I know he's an amazing actor. I've known that for a long time. But until he's playing all these different people at, at one once, time, it's bananas. You don't realize, like, how good and, like, how just different he is as Lore, even mm-hmm. though it's the same person in the same body. Like, oh, he's so just good. so different. There is Lore. that because oh, he, he starts out and he's he's very data-like, right? He's like Jordy and, and Jean-Luc and da-da. And then he, his face morphs. Like, I don't even know how to do describe it and he's like i'm lord he's like his voice changes like everything changes yeah it's so so good good so big we get the big like the big reveal of this Mm -hmm. episode is what the changelings took from daystrom station right which is picard his remains took his (gasps) body which why why daystrom station ew but yes (laughs) they took his body from daystrom station so i think this is like he is important to the changelings. Obviously. We've, we've known that, but, like, what is it about... So, like, now it's, like, the theory of, like, is something to do with, like, their, like, being able to replicate somebody based on, like, DNA? Do they need his DNA? Do they need about Jack? Something about like, the Something things, to do with... Sorry, go ahead. The, the abnormality. That's what I... Because it was... It featured so heavily in this episode. Right. Is it something to do with a unique relationship between... Picard genetics and this uh, disease that he had. Yeah. Is it like trying to replicate him for like his big speech at Frontier Day? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But there's something with him clearly. Like, I mean, we've known it's with him specifically, but now it's like really like they stole his body with him specifically. Yeah. yeah. So it's a it's a very odd. It's it's very odd reveal. Like, like, oh, Okay, mm-hmm. like I guess, like so now, um, and the other the part of that part of this we skipped over is they go to the fleet museum because they are hoping Jordy can reprogram their transponder. Oh, right. Turns out they can't because all the ships are networked, which you know makes sense because I can ping my phone from my watch. Like, yeah, it's about yeah, not time to fleet network these ships. Not that, not that I think that's a good thing necessarily, but like, yeah, like 
It makes, makes sense. sense. Um, but then Jack gets a good idea because they have the HMS Bounty in the Fleet Museum. They also have the USS Defiant. The um, USS Defiant, which and is a ship from DCS-9. The Voyager, which... Uh, That's like, a lovely which- moment. Jerry had this, uh, um, Seven of Nine had an amazing moment where she's like, I was reborn there. Yeah. Like, like that, was that was my, my family. Home. Like, it's, she just, it's just, and the angle on her face, like. It's very good. It's a very, it was a very good scene. Um, they have the, uh, New Jersey, which I didn't understand why that was there. Like, I mean, great. But I remember, remembered then Picard mentioned to Scotty in the episode Relics, that he had um, seen a Constitution class ship at the mm-hmm. Fleet Museum, so it must have been that because the Enterprise original Enterprise was destroyed in Star Trek Three. Um, but the Bounty is the Klingon ship that the Bird of Prey that um, j- that after the Enterprise was destroyed in Star Trek Three, James T. Kirk and crew take over the Klingon ship, and then that's the ship that they take back in time to get the whales in Star Trek Four. So this bird of prey is in the Fleet <laughs> Museum, and Jack Crusher steals the cloaking device. Along with Sydney. <laughs> Along with Sydney. There's, a, there's like two heists in this episode. There's a heist from the Daystrom Station, but there's also the heist from the Fleet Museum under Geordi's nose. And they, they're able to, without Geordi's help, install it on the Titan. So now they have a cloaking device so they can evade Starfleet. It was a good moment. Yeah, that's great. Really good, really good, really good, like, action for jack too because we keep hearing how he's like capable and mm-hmm. you know like but now we get to see it and now we get to see it and it was a really nice moment for him yeah i agree that was fun that was that was really fun it was I, like that was that's been my favorite episode of Trek that i've seen in and, a very long time and it was like old generation versus new generation yes. like there's like some cuteness there and it was funny it was funny um, it was funny there's a lot of humor and then of course, Riker's been captured, and then it turns out his captor is actually Vatic. Right. And she tells him that she, he's like, I'm not telling you anything. And he, she was like, ah, and turns out Are she you? has kidnapped Deanna. Right. So Deanna's on her ship. And that is how the episode ends. That is how the episode ends. So there's a lot. I really, really like this. Episode five and six are probably my two favorites of the season. Um, They're both very reasons. strong. They're yeah. both very, very, very strong. But if you have not watched, those next gen episodes highly recommend watching them because they do really like really impact your your understanding of Rolaren um but yeah looking forward to see what happens next because I have not seen episode seven yes I've seen episode seven (laughs) and eight I'm actually like as soon as we get off this call I'm gonna finish writing my recap for episode seven um and yes speaking of recaps what are we into or what are we doing no what are we doing what are we doing? doing You you go first. I'm doing recaps. I'm still recapping a <laughs> vulture. Um, and another Star Trek thing. I've got an article probably going up early this week. Maybe it's even up now on Polygon on why Star Trek Legacy, which is the spinoff of Star Trek Picard that uh, the showrunner Terry Metalis has been talking about, uh, should happen. I think it's. I think it it would be a smart idea. I think they should do it. And I argue. I wrote wrote an article talking about why. Um. Uh, I have an uh, art. My, my wired column is finally back. I have an article about Disney Dreamlight Valley, and specifically, like I thought it was really interesting, like a discussion of when games artificially limit how much you can play through. Like you have to uh, number, you have to have X pieces of wood to mm. continue, and all the wood has replenished for the day. Versus like how they balance that type of thing, because Disney Dreamlight Valley kind of has a 
philosophy of we're not going to it's resource-based quests, but they don't really artificially restrain too much. Oh, that's good. How the resource regrowth, like some things take an hour and something takes a, some things take a minute. Right. Like it's, so anyway, I wanted to explore that. So I talked to some of the people over there. I thought it was really an interesting thing. Um, so my stargazing book is coming out, I believe August 8th. Um, and my YouTube channel, I'm doing a lot more over at YouTube these days. Um, so if you are inclined, I will put the link to just my whole Star Trek playlist because I have just a playlist of all the Star Trek videos I make. But also if you feel inclined to subscribe, that would be great. Um, yeah, that changeling episode or, uh, clip was very, very helpful to me. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. And I don't have to watch 27 episodes of DS9. That's awesome. Or, or like, you know, 200 and, you know, 100 and something, <laughs> 150. Um, in terms of what I am doing, nothing I can talk about. There's yeah. more, like, more stuff that I'm just not allowed to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I it's so annoying. I there's just like so we'll much cool stuff we'll get and there. I can't talk about it. Um Okay, let's save you, my what we're into second because we're gonna have a little chat about that. You that's go first. true. Uh so this weekend I watched m- this uh Hindi movie called Monica Oh My Darling, which Swapna. Oh my darling. The title is based on a very famous uh, Hindi language song from like the 70s featuring Helen, who is one of the most famous Bollywood actresses of all time. Um, But it's basically this sort of like dark comedy murder mystery, like very much in the line of like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or The Nice Guys. And it's so good. It's on Netflix. It's it stars. uh Three amazing actors who I love very much, Rajkumar Rao, um, Radhika Apte, and Huma Kureshi. And it's 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 like about like this company that has like this guy who is not part of the family has been groomed to like take over. Um, and then there are the I don't want to give anything away because the twists are so fun. Yeah, then don't. Like Just I kept being like, oh. <gasps> Dark, the music com- dark comedy, like you, you, you sold me with like dark comedy, like yeah, dark comedy, murder mystery, twists abound. It's very, very fun. Uh, on Netflix, check it out. Monica, oh my darling. Then I also watched the Banshees of Inishirin. Finally, okay, I've heard about it a lot it's, about it. It's uh the obviously the like Oscar contender Colin Farrell, Brandon, um, oh my god, Brendan Gleeson, um, I didn't know what it was about going in i just knew that it i love in bruges so i love the filmmaker it's set on this uh remote irish island um a million years ago and it's about these two friends brendan gleason and colin farrell who one day brendan gleason's character is just like i don't want to be friends with you anymore any there's like no real explanation and it's that that sounds like very basic but like I don't I came out of it feeling sort of how I felt at the end of Fleabag season two which Mm -hmm. is like very intense like somewhat maudlin but also like glad I watched it it's really good it's dark it's also like bleak but also very funny and strange it's it's on HBO Max like Obviously, it's good. It got a lot of like critical, yeah, you know, did, yeah. Um, glowing critical reviews, etc. But like, it's it's one of those movies that I think is going to sit with me <laughs> for a long time. Mm-hmm. In in terms of like, 
again, like legacy, the choices we make, the people we surround ourselves with, why we do the things we do, why we treat people the way we do. Um, and so, yeah, like I, it, it's it's one of those things where you're just like, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to be thinking about now for the next mm-hmm. several weeks, months, however long. Um, and then the last thing I want to mention is this trailer for a movie called Suzume that came out in Japan last year, but is coming out here in April. And it's by the same uh, creators who did Your Name, and it looks just absolutely stunning. Like, I'm going to link to the trailer because the trailer is one of those things where it doesn't give you a lot of plot, but a lot of, like, fast scenes. You see the connections between the people. You see the relationships all sent to this, like, beautiful song. Um but if you've if you've seen your name, you kind of know what you're getting into, which is like a little bit magical realism, some like, but really strong character stuff. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing it, hopefully soon. Although who knows? Because if it comes out in the theater in April, yeah, yeah. Ooh, we'll see. Um, but but when I do watch it at some point, it will will definitely talk about it because I can't imagine a world in which I'm not gonna like it. Yeah. And yeah, that that's it. I think today, um, I started replaying Horizon Zero Dawn on my stream Steam Deck because uh, the um, DLC for Horizon Forbidden West is coming out the end of April, and I want to replay both Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. But before that happens, because that's <laughs> the person I piece of trash I am. <laughs> and then the other thing I'm doing, which is Phoebe's <laughs> favorite thing, and she's getting all kinds of text messages from me, is and I, I love it, Supernatural. I'm yes. watching Supernatural for the first time. Um, as I said last time, I finished season one last night. Ah, it's so good. And I am on team. I hate John Winchester. He is a piece yeah. of trash. John Winchester is a bad dad. Worst. All he needed, all his kids needed after his like wife died was like to like be at home with them and love them and give them nope. hugs. And like, no. Nope. nope. They call him sir and follow his orders. Like, yeah, he calls them his soldiers. It's awful. You're like, you guys, Bad are, you guys are a little bit broken inside. And that's it why is. you yeah. have such no, a rough relationship. Are. I think it's really good. I'm surprised, honestly. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised at how much I'm liking it. But I usually lose patience. First season of first and second seasons of any like sci-fi show is like character of the week. Mm-hmm. Sci-fi fantasy show is like character of the week, mystery of the week. And usually like I'm fine with that for a while, but I just lose interest after a while. And I think they have done a really good job with this show of blending that, like putting really good character moments in every episode, regardless of whether it's mystery of the week or overarching. Like there's some like episodes I was like, this episode's bad, but I really (laughs) like this moment between Stan and Dean. Um, And I, I'm just very surprised at uh, how, um well i how much how for the time it's from like mm-hmm. you know it's over 15 years old the way that they're they're already getting really getting into the overarching stuff yeah um you i feel like a lot of shows like this the overarching stuff like more comes up and i'm sure i know i know it gets more complex but like you don't really start visiting with the overarching stuff until like seasons like three and four, I feel mm-hmm. like with a lot of this type of stuff, but this they really have threaded it in since the beginning, and it's, and, uh, and they build it well, which is yes, like they clearly. What's nice is about the early seasons of Supernatural is they had a five season plan, and you can tell like that's it in terms of overarching plot, like every season builds on the one before it really well, and 
you know, these days, there was that like article that came out recently that TV viewer habits have changed because shows get canceled so frequently now. Yes. Like we literally won't. I mean, I see myself doing it where I'm like, well, I don't want to watch a show until it's done because I don't yes. want to be in the position of watching something that might not have an ending. Um, so when you get to experience shows where they have a clear plan and they get to actually do the plan, it's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm really liking it. I'm excited. And um, I started season two Yay! yesterday, so I'm keeping trucking along. Um, Can't wait for for more on that. I am loving every yes, text that I get. Yes, we continue revisiting <laughs> this every time because I'll be doing this probably for the rest of the year. <laughs> I'll keep revisiting. Um, all right. So we are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Life Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C for nerds of color. Patreon. Okay. So if you are a Patreon subscriber in 2022 and are owed a reward, those will be shipping either later this week or next week. Rewards are ordered. They're on their way to my house. So, um, yes. So they will be shipped out by the end of next week. Um, so... Yeah, so that's that. That should be should be I think because uh, stickers and pins are on their way now, or, or should be delivered today. And then I think uh, the bag, the our tote bags are later this week. So yeah, so keep an eye out. Um, and thank you to our Patreon subscribers: Meredith, Amber, Brandy, Brian, Chris, Priya, Ruth, The Knot Family, Annie, Desiree, Jason, Jordan, Kavita, Mike, Nina, Rita, and Roni. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash Girls. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at ThaseyGeekGirls. Um, I am, oh, and Macedon at ThaseyGeekGirls. At yes. And I am still everywhere at Run With Skizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. Um, I think pretty much everywhere. Yes, I am at S. Krishna on Twitter, S. Krishna at wandering.shop on Mastodon. Uh, my YouTube, the my YouTube channel is called Ad Astra, so it's at Ad Astra Space. I'll put a link in, and um, TikTok is at Swatna underscore Krishna. Uh, and that's that for this time. We'll be back in a few weeks with a couple of more weeks. more episodes of the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until next time, we will see you in hell. In hell.